0: The Recruiting Blitz Podcast, powered by the UC Report. Big week this week. Plenty to discuss. We head down to the state of Texas for the Geico High School Football Showcase uh, for a Lone Star State Showdown between Geyer High School and Allen. And we bring in boots on the ground with Sean McFarland from the Dallas Morning News. We're going to pick his brain about that matchup and some of the prospects in it. Plenty to discuss as commitments begin to pick up on the recruiting trail in the 23 and 24 class. We'll also discuss uh, recruiting as we look back at Tennessee's big win over Alabama this past weekend. And then finally, the Recruiting Blitz podcast goes international this week with a great discussion with the NFL Academy over in London and what they're bringing to recruiting and name Sano as that is a new frontier in the world of recruiting. This Thursday night, uh, ESPN High School Football Showcase goes to the Lone Star State with uh, an exciting battle between two prestigious programs, the Allen Eagles and Denton Guy or Wildcats. It's going to be a really interesting game. A lot of talent in this game, a pair of five stars, a lot of names to know in a 23 and 24 class as well. And believe it or not, Wade, we're actually getting deep into the fall. So high school football playoff time is not far it's not far off, and both of these teams are no uh, no strangers to high school football playoffs in the state of Texas as well as state titles. So their fan bases are interested in how these two programs are going to finish. So to help us get ready for this game Thursday night, which is going to be on ESPN2, I'll be on the call along with uh, my play-by-play, Connor Onion and Morgan Uber on the sideline. But we're going to go right to uh, right to boots on the ground, Yeah, which is uh, exciting because somebody who's really dialed in 365 days a year of what's going on there in the DFW area and that's Sean McFarland high school football recruiter for uh reporter excuse me for the Dallas Morning News uh Sean thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me guys.
0: So I guess first off what is what's the buzz uh obviously high school football is king in the state of Texas but I would imagine it's still pretty cool to have two two big time programs that are going to be playing on ESPN. Yeah it,
1: it's always fun when they get these ESPN games you know these are two big teams and there's always sold-out stadiums and a lot of these games are broadcast on local TV. Um, there's live streams and everything, but you can tell But the kids, the the coaches, the communities and fan bases, you know, when you get an ESPN game, uh, it always means a little bit more. So there's a lot of hype
2: around this one.
0: Now, these are two well-known programs. They've had a lot of success. Allen, five state titles. Uh, Geyer has had a pair in the last decade. Um, but what's interesting is they're both I don't want to say starting over, but they both have new head coaches for Geyer. It's Reedheim, who was a defensive coordinator there, now has stepped up into the head coaching role. Uh, and I believe is only the third head coach in history to school, which a little maybe just under 20 years old. But yeah, only their third head coach. Um, you know, what's kind of been the word on, on the kind of direction and how he's done with that Geyer program so far?
1: Yeah, the kids love him. Um, You know, he was the D.C. uh, last year, obviously, and they have an incredible defense. A lot of talented dudes on that defense, which I'm sure we'll get into. So I, I think, you know, one of the strengths of this team has been its defense for the last few years. So having him remain in the program, still running the defense, that's helped, I think, avoid some of the pitfalls that can come with a new head coach. You know, if they didn't bring in some guy from outside the program, they got a guy who knows how the system works. And, you know, offensively, when you have Jackson Arnold five-star going to Oklahoma, um, the offense is still running the same as it was last year, even with some new faces in there. So I think uh, keeping a guy that's been well-liked, been in the program, worked under Rodney Webb, the previous head coach, um, it it feels the continuity is there, I think, from last year to this year. It doesn't feel like there's been some. And even he told me when I first poked him, when he got the job, he was like, I'm not going to change a lot of things, you know, Things are working here. Why switch things up? Why break a good thing? Um, so you can really see that this year that it's it's still functioning just like it did last year and the years before.
0: Yeah. And he also, you mentioned his experience with the program, a Texas guy who would bounce around a little bit in college, had worked some at Baylor. So uh, bring some college experience with him as well. Now, you mentioned Guy or staying in house. What's really interesting is Alan went out of house which is something they usually don't do too much with Lee Wingington who comes over from Midlothian Heritage a program that he started uh from scratch and now is moving into which I believe is the biggest student body at Allen High School in the state of Texas kind of what's been uh what's been kind of the buzz on on the job that he's done obviously under a big microscope there
1: yeah it's really interesting you know they go out of house, but it's also like the completely different hire versus going after Chad Morris last year. They bring in this guy who's the president of the Texas High School Coaches Association, well-respected, 30 years of high school coaching experience. It really is like the polar opposite of going after the big name former college coach. And, you know, they got to a tough start. You know, they played number one in St. John Bosco in week one and kind of got beat by like 40. And, you know, it's not a game he scheduled, but it's the game they played. And they have a younger team than Geyer, a lot less experience, a lot of new faces on both sides. And, you know, he got there kind of late. He was hired in May, I think, so it was kind of late in the hiring cycle. So I think they got up to maybe a slower start than they would have liked. Um, but now I covered their game last week against McKinney. They pulled out this really great late win. You can see the vision that Lee and his coaching staff has for this team is starting to form, you know, midway through the season, essentially.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, it's interesting because – he did take over a program during the summer. And if you're building a program, especially one like an Allen where uh, got a lot of tradition, uh, you are really kind of coming in halfway through the year, so much is done through spring ball, which he wasn't there or part of. Uh, and it feels though more like this year is about building the culture to kind of build a foundation going forward. And you can almost, in a sense, it, I haven't seen the game yet, but just in having getting a chance to talk to coach in prep this week during our coaches call that that they may they're getting it done on the field, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule because there seem to be and you tell me you're there. There seem to be almost a sense from the Allen community that this was almost scheduled to be a down year between graduations. David Hicks winds up leaving the program and transferring to another school. So I almost think he came in. He may even say that even coming out that gate with that really tough game against St. John Bosco out of California that they're almost maybe to an extent exceeding expectations uh, with every win since then.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, especially after that week one game against Bosco, it's like, you don't see Allen go out and lose by 40 points to anyone, you know? So I think a lot of people were like, Oh, it's going to be a down year for Allen. It's going to be a rebuilding year. And, you know, like you said, you know, their starting quarterbacks, a junior, they're some of their best players are sophomores and juniors. It's, it is a really young team. Um, and I think ahead of schedule is a good way to put it. Uh, not that they didn't expect to contend this year, not that they didn't expect to to be in district title contention. Um, but I think you're starting to see it now where that McKinney game in week eight was really their first game where I think they showed, okay, they can beat a good team. They can win close games. They can pull it out like that. And that, and that for me, I think was, the game that showed like okay this team is maybe ahead of schedule maybe that culture you talked about is is forming I think earlier than they had thought it would or, or maybe it's online with what they expected but I think they are kind of relative to outside expect expectations um on a good track
2: right now
0: yeah very very interesting uh man and Lee Wiggins, the new head coach i I'm, don't know how much time you got to spend with him usually we get on our coaches calls we get to two Ds pretty quickly you must have spent 20 minutes just talking about philosophy and all the different things so it'll be really interesting to, to see what he does there and allen because uh you mentioned not only is the head coach there but also the president of the texas high school football coaches association which is which is mammoth so certainly seems like a uh a gentleman with like a lot of attention to detail so uh, you know be really interesting to see where he takes that allen program but a big game to start things off and you know one of the you know, starting the season with St. John Bosco wasn't tough enough, now you got to go on national TV and face one of the best quarterbacks in the nation and Jackson Arnold, a guy who kind of came on the radar last year, Eli Stowers, uh, you know, kind of sat behind, but talk about kind of what the buzz is on Jackson Arnold there in the area. And he
1: is, he's really fun to watch. He, uh, you know, watching him last year in his first year as a varsity starter, and, you know, he'd played in the state championship game as a freshman uh, due to Eli's injury, um and it just he just stepped in day one and looked incredible um he gets the ball off so quickly he's got really good athleticism too he reminds me of almost like a Daniel Jones the way he can kind of you know break off these 60 yard runs out of nowhere um he kind of is you know I, I guess the way I'll put it is going into this season Geyer had to replace starting running back almost all of their key skill position players um but the entire time I was like, well, they have Jackson Arnold. They're going to be fine. They're, yeah. He he can get the ball to anyone. And we'll talk about the guys who stepped up on offense for them. But that's kind of where I was with this Guyer team was, I think they had some question marks on offense, but having a quarterback like Jackson Arnold was enough to answer all of them for me, at least.
0: Yeah, he's very much a, in seeing him at future 50, getting to spend, he was just a small amount of time. And then watching, it always seems to be really even keeled, kind of a, sometimes the term gets thrown around, but even a head coach using it, he has that it factor and you spend Mm -hmm. a little time around him. He certainly seems like he does have it, but it's also really, you know, a good, a great quarterback is usually accentuated by a great defense and they may have one of the best secondaries in all of high school football, not just the state of of Texas. And it starts with Peyton Bowen and Notre Dame commit Ryan Yates, who is committed to LSU. And then Peyton's little brother, Eli is one of those corners. So, I mean, it's, Think of, you know, American Heritage. I think of Bishop Gorman uh, out of Las Vegas, American Heritage uh, Plantation out of Florida. Those are some loaded secondaries. But this one, this one may be maybe the best in Texas.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think what makes this secondary so special is the way all three players kind of complement each other. Um, you have Peyton, who is this just athletic freak. I mean, he's the type of guy where. He can be 15 yards off a receiver and the minute the quarterback releases the ball, he's there. Um, He's making a tackle. He's reading the route, picking off the pass. He's got the speed and instincts to do that. And then Ryan Yates uh, committed to LSU. He, he's a really interesting player because he can at safety. He can also play, you know, at the high school level, at least almost like an inside the box linebacker position where I've seen him just run up and make a tackle on a running back or receiver on a screen pass. He's got, the strength and the speed to make those plays. And then Eli, I think, is maybe my favorite player to watch in all of DAW. Um, he's so fun. He's a little undersized, but I don't care of him. It's, he's one of those players that it's just, he'll go up with the receiver. The receiver will catch the ball. And by the time they land, Eli will have ripped the ball out of his hands and taken it back for a touchdown. He's one of those players. So the way all three of them, all incredibly talented, but they all bring something different to their position I think makes this defense scary is that it's not just like a one track defense, you know, either one of them can do something different to completely disrupt an offense.
0: interesting to hear you say that because uh, head coach, Reed Himes called Eli a a ferocious competitor and uh, actually told us that if, if it came down to it and it was one play and he had to get the other team's best player coverage, you would think Ryan or, or Peyton would be the first one. He actually said, Eli would be the guy that, that he would put him on there. So, Peyton, obviously the headliner right now, but the younger brother uh, quickly making a, a name for himself before Sean, we get to some uh, under the radar guys just want to kind of flip the uh, Allen because um, a name a five-star like Jackson Arnold could certainly take up a lot of oxygen in the room. But Mike Hawkins is a player who's getting a lot of, a lot of interest as well. And he is a quarterback at Allen. One of the few returning starters are bringing back on that offense, but he's a guy when you watch on film, you're like a lot. He's just a playmaker finds ways uh, to kind of get it done and really kind of stepped up uh, to kind of help that offense along as we talked about them being at maybe arguably a little bit ahead of schedule this year. He's a big reason why.
1: Yeah, he uh, he's great at keeping plays alive um, on his feet. It was a few times against McKinney last week where he would dodge five, six tackles uh, and just sprint for a first down. Um, I think as the offense comes along as a whole, you'll see the passing game unlock a little bit more, but He's done a really good job this season of of finding guys he trusts and making smart plays. I think Allen's done a good job of calling plays to to fit this offense. Um, so I think if you look at at Hawkins's stats, you know you don't see the 300 yard passing performances you might expect from a four star quarterback. But I play calling's done a good job of, of fitting this offense, and you know when when they've needed it, he can make those plays. You know, against McKinney, he found five-star tight end Davon Mitchell for a 26-yard touchdown in the end zone. Like, he's he's really coming along, and um, I think he he's the right type of quarterback to play against this guy or defense where you're going to need to keep plays alive to wait for someone to get open.
0: And you mentioned Devon Mitchell, the sophomore, already a, a big offer list, one of the top targets, one of the, especially in the red zone. For Allen, flipping over to the other side of the ball, another underclassman. We talked, probably the strength of that Allen team may be that defensive line. Um, His brother Neto uh, was one of the top prospects a year ago, and now Zena uh, Amuzolo. I'm going to keep practicing the next 48 hours. I think I'm (laughs) close. I think I'm close. But he's kind of uh, he's the next uh, kind of big lineman to kind of watch in that program. Kind of a lengthy guy. Kind of what's what's kind of what have you seen? What's the word on on him?
1: Yeah, he he's a game breaker, man. He You look at him and he just looks like he's already in college. Just, just his size, his strength. Um, you know, he's a, the guy that you really can't have someone on him one-on-one on that line because they will break through it. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, Lee Wiginton told me last week that the strength of their defense is that D-line, it's the most experienced part of their team, and he's really the anchor of it. Um yeah. He is a, he's a physical freak, man. Like you, you don't see a high school junior when you look at him and uh, it shows on the tape.
0: Have you had a chance to interact with him?
1: Yeah. I talked to them after they beat Arlington Martin, I think in week two or three. Um, and, and even same thing. He doesn't talk to a high school junior either. He, you know, he really strikes you as a type of kid who's like already in college almost. And I think in that Martin game, he might've had two sacks and Arlington Martin's one of our, the better teams in FW too. And, uh, a really well-coached team, and he found a way to break, you know, whatever it is they were trying to do to stop him. Uh, he's a smart player, and he, uh, yeah, he's a game breaker. That's the best way to put it.
0: Yeah, so it's certainly one of the players to watch on defense. So it'll be interesting. I always love strength versus strength. way to get a maybe their strength being a D line going against a, a five-star quarterback. You and I were talking earlier uh, in the week, and there's certainly some players. I know there was a, a running back that is just impressed with speed, uh, that, that Alan has.
3: Yeah, we, uh, Sean, we're tracking, uh, players play speed on the field. And one of the guys we recently, um, added to the list was KV and Sibley who kind of came out of the blue for us. Uh, we knew he had a couple offers. I think producer Danny may have featured him as a uh, sleeper to watch If If not, he will be soon, but uh, we had him tracked. And I think it was about 21 and a half miles an hour, really kind of jumped out to us. And, uh, you know, immediately places him on the radar of a player that, you know, we need to probably consider for the next ESPN Junior 300 update. Uh, how's his season going and what have you seen from him so far?
1: He's been awesome, man. I, I, so I've covered Geyer three, or excuse me, I've heard Allen three times and each time Sibley's really impressed me. Um, he was Allen's third string running back last year. Um, he got, you know, a good amount of snaps, but he was still a third string running back. And, He's really flourished in that RB1 role. Um, I think Mike Hawkins, I asked Mike about him. He said, you know, he's a dog. And, like, he really is. You mentioned the speed. He's a strong runner, too, uh, just the way he – I think, God, he might have dragged a McKinney defender, like, 10 yards on a on a 65-yard run on Friday. Um, he's a guy that I look at and I think, you know, I think he has three offers now, SMU, Minnesota, Texas Tech maybe. yeah. Um and I think he's gonna be a guy that blows up this year. Um, he's really, he just he looks really comfortable back there. And I think as this young out offense has kind of found its identity, he's been the right guy to have to just hey, we can give him the ball, we can get him some looks with some screen passes, and he can handle it for us. Um, he doesn't look like a guy who's in his first year as a starting running back. Really, he, uh, I think out of all the guys I've seen this year, he's been up towards the top of guys who's impressed me versus what i expected or knew coming in
3: and then uh flipping back to guy real quick another one of the underclassmen who impressed us as we were gathering some information for this matchup was receiver uh josiah martin who we didn't know a whole lot about before we started preparation but was really impressive on film Uh, what's the read on him so far
1: yeah he he him and uh landon sides on guy another guy who kind of came into the year underrated you know they've really stepped up when guy needed it i think had to replace like 75 percent of their skill position yards from last year um yeah that was kind of the one thing that was like the one question mark I had about guy coming in the year the defense was good quarterback was good their line was good but I didn't know what the skill position guys looked like and Josiah has really I think flourished uh getting more targets um and same with Landon too so um it always helps me have jackson Arnold throwing you the ball of course but you know, Guyer plays in a tough district. They play tough teams. They're always being defended by good players on the side of the ball. And um, he's a guy that I think, you know, has really turned some heads in DFW this year.
0: Yeah, I'm, Incarnate Word is hoping that landing Sides remains uh, a best kept secret as he's <laughs> committed to, uh, to the FCS program. But uh, I think certainly uh, over these final few months heading into the early signing period and into February, He could be a guy that could start to pick up some G5 offers and uh, certainly somebody to watch. Coach said a 10, 400 meter kid, so more speed on that that offense along um, with uh, with some of the other players that they have. So, you know, kind of uh, anybody else you think is kind of a sleeper amongst those two? Um,
1: I think for Allen, we go back to that defensive line. Um, Nate Marsh is a junior. Um, I don't think he has any offers yet, but every time I've seen him, he just makes plays. Um, I think he had two sacks against McKinney. McKinney's got a big, experienced offensive line. He's a little undersized, but it just every time I see him, he goes out there and makes plays. Um, you know, it's one of those things where if the D line has to focus on um, Zena, like that always helps him. But He's a guy that every time I watch him, he's just out there making plays. Um, And then on Geyer, uh, Trey Joyner running back has been another guy similar to Sibley who has kind of stepped into that RB1 role this year after being a backup last year. Um, I think when Geyer played prosper in week three or four, whatever it was, they didn't throw the ball that much. They might've thrown it 10 or 15 times um, and they just fed the rock to Joyner. And I think he had three touchdowns you know, as that prosper defense was keying in on Jackson Arnold, they were able to just say, okay, Trey, it's your ball. You got this. And, and he was able to take care of it against a really tough defense. So I think that was something in terms of guy where I looked at it's like, okay, if teams are going to do everything, they can to stop Jackson Arnold. This Trey Joiner kid can, can do a good job of being a foil that at least.
3: And so I know we focused uh, most of our time on this big matchup. That'll be televised on the ESPN family and networks coming up, but you do more than just cover, you know, this school or these two schools. You're very familiar with the players in and around the Dallas Fort Worth area. And, you know, Craig and I at ESPN and the guys over at 247 on three rivals, you know, we take a national approach to doing rankings and whatnot. But I know you guys have great knowledge of the players in the area and maybe even a deeper pool than we do in, in a lot of senses. Who's a name or, or a couple names of guys that in your opinion, or uh, just kind of the word down in the area that aren't getting the love nationally that we maybe need to check back on?
1: It's a great question. Let me think about that. Um, I, I think, you know, we talked about it a lot, but KV Sibley is a great example of a guy who just kind of come on the scene this year and, and really taken over. Um, there's a few guys, um, one guy at, at Lancaster, uh, T-R- Martin, he's a receiver. I don't think he has any offers yet, but he, He's played really well this year for them in that offense. He's a senior – or, no, he might be a junior, actually. Let me check. I think he's a junior. Um, but he's been really good. Um, I'm trying to think Go position by position here. At, at quarterback, a guy who has been really strong this year is um, Jacob Wilson from Trophy Club Byron Nelson. He's been the best 6A passer in our area. And I don't know if he has any offers yet, but he – He's really the linchpin behind, I think, maybe the best offense in the state right now, and they got good weapons around him. Landon Ransom's committed to Rice. Um, He's he's even a guy that I think could maybe pick up more offers by early signing day, Um, but those are the guys that come to mind, really, Um, and then, yeah, I think those are the ones that really come to mind off the top of my head. Um, You know, we're starting up our prep for the our top 100 for the class of 2024 now so I got a bunch of names in mind that are all floating through there but I think I think you know it's we' talking about Katie on is the ultimate guy that more people need to know about it, I think
0: yeah interested to see him on Thursday night putting up big numbers interesting that you mentioned Nate Marsh uh nickname him Tank he was a guy too as mm-hmm. kind of prepping he's not he's not even listed as a starter obviously defensive line and, and talk about semantics because we start rolling guys in, but I was like, who's this guy? Like he leads the team at tackle for loss <laughs> and keeps flashing. So you're right, a little bit undersized, but certainly productive. Uh, really appreciate the time. Sean, you want you uh can are you in the prediction business? Any any thoughts on how this plays out?
1: Yeah, so I I would take Geyer in this one. Um Allen won last year by a touchdown. Um but I think Geyer has gotten better and Allen, you know, as we talked about younger team graduations, but um, I think Allen's win over McKinney kind of showed me that, you know, if they can keep this thing close and, you know, I, I think the key to Allen will be keeping the ball away from Geyer and running the ball with KV on Sibley really, and just winning the time of possession battle. Um, but I would take Geyer in this one. I think, you know, I've ranked them number one in DFW all year at the 6A level. Um, I think they're just the most complete team among DFW 6A teams. So I would, I would take them over just about anybody right now. Um, but I think it's going to be a great game. And it's two good first-year coaches. Uh, a district game is always fun. Um, Thursday game, so there'll be a lot of attention on it. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Do you feel that like Guyer is kind of – would be the uh, – probably – I don't know how I want to phrase this, but kind of the team to beat in terms of the state title race there at 6A?
1: Yeah, I, I think – so they'll be in 6A two because of their, their – through enrollment size in Texas for 6A, um, you know, half will go 6A1. So Allen will go 6A1. Geyer will go 6A2 most likely. It might be a certainty at this point. I think in 6A2, you know, they could end up having to face South Lake Carroll at some point. They might have to face, you know, West Lake again in the state championship game. Um, so it won't be an easy path, especially if they have to play a team like South Lake Carroll in the third or fourth round. But... Um, I just think they're such a complete team and I don't know I don't know what offense in Texas is best suited to play that defense I just think that defense is is so versatile so fun Um, and then you add in probably the best quarterback in the states it's a pretty good situation for them right now
0: awesome well great insight yeah lots I mean between prospects uh, two teams that are Playoff contenders, uh, uh, maybe even state title contenders, especially in Guyra. So a lot to watch ESPN2 Thursday night. uh, Join us. And that was a great insight from Sean McFarland from the Dallas Morning News. We appreciate the time and insight.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it.
3: College football fans were treated to a great weekend on the field. Huge upset victories, Tennessee over Alabama. USC falling to Utah. There was also some activity on the recruiting trail in and around those big games this weekend. We'll start off with the 2023 class. Florida, which has been building a great group this cycle, concentrated on the defensive front and the secondary, picked up number 88 in the ESPN 300, defensive back Dijon Johnson. He's an Under Armour All-American, 6'1", with a huge 6'5", wingspan. He ran a 4.58 at our Miami camp, also competed at the Future 50 event an aggressive physical player with good ball skills. They also picked up uh, three-star defensive back Bryce Thornton, um, joining that class. Also in the 2023-
0: Oh, sure. You know, those are two big pickups, but it also seems to be a a fair amount of momentum, and it seems like it could happen at any point, with five-star Carmody McLean, And and that could really, I mean, be a huge, obviously, state the obvious, what a big-time pickup that would be. you add him to a top 10 corner in Johnson, as you mentioned, that they just picked up. And
3: that could almost be a you know a seismic shift. On certainly group. a headliner for yeah. a group that's already good, but would really give it a guy up at the top that yeah, everybody was familiar with. Two, two big pickups in the secondary and one that's certainly worth watching. Absolutely. Um, also in the 2023 class, Notre Dame picked up running back Jeremiah Love, number 92 in the 300. He's another Under Armour All-American. He took visits to Alabama, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas AM, so there's plenty of competition uh, for his verbal commitment. He's a guy who kind of exploded um, over the summer, including a big uh, performance at our Kansas City camp. A six foot, 190 pounder, still room to grow. An incredible one, five, seven, 10 yard split. four, four, eight laser to laser 40, which was one of the fastest times we had on our camp circuit this year. He's run 10, 7, 600 meters, 21 and a half mile an hour max speed guy. And as we were discussing this commitment, uh, I think we both kind of a light bulb went on at the same time that Notre Dame is putting together maybe the fastest class in the entire country.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of dawned on me that just you look at some of the players in a class like a, a Peyton Bowen, Braylon James, a Jeremiah Love, uh, Dylan Edwards, like this is a class with a lot of speed, and obviously they it's been a bit of a struggle at times for them this year on the field. They keep this class together. This is one that can certainly be uh, dynamic. As you mentioned Love, the other thing that stood out to me about him on the camp circuit is a 35-inch vertical. He's about 190 pounds. What size he does have on him is muscle. He's got big arms, big, yeah. uh, thick legs on him, uh, and even with all that speed, it's like with him and Dylan Edwards. You know, you got to, we talk about running back pairs. You like the quick guy and the big guy, the thunder and the lightning. It's kind of lightning and lightning with love, with a little bit of thunder. I mean, yeah. well, both of those guys are absolute blazers in the backfield. And you know, so you look at this class. You don't. You think back to Notre Dame struggles in title games. You know, remember the tail year, and the mm-hmm. this guy. Like these guys aren't fast enough to compete. They're just not at the same level once they get there and they face the SEC program. But this is a, you know, if you want to use that, you know, that metric, would say it just means more in the SEC. Like this is in terms of speed, this is an SEC caliber class from that from that uh, from that standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see like kid. Yeah, they're going through some struggles this year. They. It almost like they lack explosiveness, and but this class could be a big infusion of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, of course, they've got to hit as players as well, but Edwards, uh, Braylon James, and Peyton Bowen each had three of our fastest 40 times on the circuit along with um, Jeremiah Love. Dylan Edwards, was he the fastest or second fastest kid that we've tracked, uh, uh, I believe, uh, with max speed this whole year? Uh, Peyton Bowen up on the top of that leaderboard as well. And then Micah Bell is... Um, you know, one of the most decorated 100-meter guys in the country. Uh, he didn't run anything over 10.8 in the 100-meter all spring. He's got a personal best of 10, 4, one. And I just over the years in compiling ESPN 300s in class ranks, I know Tom Luganbill, especially, anytime Notre Dame would get one of the more explosive players in the country, his first comment would always be something like, now they just need more guys like that. Yeah. But this is one of those groups where you look at it, it's not just one guy. It really is a really impressive group of explosive uh, fast athletes headed to the Fighting Irish. Moving from the 2023 class to the 2024 class, Georgia picked up an interesting commitment from quarterback Ryan Puglisi, 255 in the Junior 300. Um, he's a quarterback up here at a private school in the Northeast. And he's interesting to me because we were we were aware that he's also a top baseball prospect. Our baseball guys at 3-Step Sports said he was definitely a Division I baseball prospect. But Georgia's current backup is Carson Beck, and you know he's played well in mop-up duty this year. I think he's probably projected to be the starter next year. He was originally committed to Florida to play baseball. He then flipped to Alabama, allegedly to play both, and of course ended up at Georgia. So kind of interesting to me that it looks like Kirby Smart has a bit of a type with um, the quarterback prospects that he wants moving forward.
0: Yeah, but it's very difficult, uh, you know, baseball and quarterback, very difficult, but interesting because... We talked about it a, a few episodes ago with Dylan Lawrenge right. trying to do both yeah. and how difficult that could be. But you know, what is not interesting is a program like Georgia and some of these programs interested in multi-sport athletes. Oh like yeah, the quarterback yeah. position and multi-sport athletes yeah. at a high level. Um, so it would be interesting. I think at some point maybe you pick a path, but it certainly says a lot that this is a player who, <clears throat> excuse me, is not only really one of the the best quarterbacks
3: in the 2024 class, but a, a legit baseball prospect as well. And then sticking in the 2024 class and in the SEC um, around that humongous victory over the Crimson Tide, Mazio M.J. Bennett committed to Tennessee. He's number 250 in the Junior 300. Not the biggest guy, uh, but he's a physical player both as a tackler when he's playing in the secondary uh, and as a blocker out at receiver, which he even highlights in his... Love that, that that. me too, right out the gate. Yeah, love it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, he's got really good instincts against zone coverage. He knows how to get open against man, shows good vision as a ball carrier in the open field. Uh, He was clocked at just under 21 miles per hour. And for me, and just watching him, he looks like a real high probability prospect for the balls.
0: Yeah, you know, it came right up the next day. They beat Alabama, and then you get a ESPN Junior 300 pickup. Interesting that he's from South Carolina. Who else Mm -hmm.
3: was originally from South Carolina? You're going to tell me now, I
0: think. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt. Okay, so, yeah, there we go. Yeah. there you go, so. I think he just scored another touchdown. <laughs> yeah, not a not a bad day to go back to uh, the day after Jalen Hyatt has a monster game to go back to South Carolina to get a uh, to get a wide receiver commit. And you talked about the blocking. It's cool. You love the toughness. But it, it, it's also important because think about it. So even if he has a really good day at Tennessee, he, he goes there, he pans out, everything's great, he has a big game. Say he gets targeted 12 times, all right? That's maybe There's a lot of offensive maybe snaps left 58 him. other times he doesn't get. What are you doing when you don't have the football? So I think it's kind of neat that he starts his midseason tape out this year with that because it shows, you know what, this is important to me as well. And you think about a receiver and how many times they may get a chance to impact the play as terms of catching the football, but you think about how many more times that somebody like that who where it's important to him that he can impact. So I think that's one of those little things where it's kind of neat just because you realize how many more plays he's going to have to impact without the football in his hands that he will with it.
3: And specifically in that system too, I mean, with the ultra-wide splits from those receivers and they get the ball to the perimeter. And sometimes the other receiver on that side of the field is the most important blocker on the play. So certainly a skill set maybe something that jumped out to their staff, but certainly a skill set uh, that'll serve him well at the next level. And then just continuing on with Tennessee, I know we've touched upon some of the jobs that are open, some of the hurdles that some of those programs face, like you know former great at this point, Nebraska, and the tough road they may have ahead. Uh, of course, the Tennessee job is not open, and fresh off this win, another huge game coming up this weekend, they look like they're headed in the right direction. But that's a program that we feel the opposite about a program like Nebraska. Their fan base, they had reason to be upset over the years. There's everything there for them to be competing in the SEC East year to year. And you know the last time they won the national title in 1998, the state of what they have to work with from a recruiting perspective has gotten a lot better, actually. I mean, we look back, the first year we expanded the rankings from 150 to 300 in the ESPN rankings, there were 10 four-star prospects and 21 high three stars from that state. And in, last cla- in the last class, there were 15 four-stars. And thirty-five high three stars, so the pool is getting deeper. The number of premium prospects is, you know, is increasing, and that just kind of mirrors the population growth of the state as a whole. Seven million people now. I think it was up from about five and a half, like we mentioned the last time they won the national title. And of course, specifically the Nashville area uh, is one of the fastest-growing metropolitan areas in the country.
0: Well, that's, you can't ever overlook that. You talk about the Big Four: California, Texas, Florida, Georgia. Uh, California is in that because it is a massive state with a large population. As your population grows, especially in a place and you get in the southeast where where football is so important, just by odds you're going to get more prospects because your population growth. And then if you're, they're starting and there's a passion for football early on, that's just going to kind of grow the pool of talent that is going to be there. But there's no coincidence that four big states, population wise, are four key states in recruiting. And then three of those are high school football and the game of football are very passionate in terms of Texas, Georgia, and Florida. But yeah, it's not at all surprising to see Tennessee growing in terms of of a base just because more and more people are moving there. And you're also going to see that continue with Florida because more and more people moving to Florida, more and more people are moving to Georgia, more and more people are moving to Texas. So, you know, I'm not saying Tennessee is going to, uh, Crowbar their way into the Big Four? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not quite. But if you are the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, the Carolinas are going to still be important. Georgia's obviously going to be important, but you're going to have good recruiting starts at home, and it sure helps when you've got
3: a lot of good talent at home. And then, what you know, the last thing with that Tennessee program, as we discussed, on um, the incredible stability uh, within that Wisconsin program, why we feel you know good about whoever ends up getting that job because of the continuity they've had at the top from the athletic department. Tennessee is on their sixth. Athletic director since they won the national title. So it looks like they're headed in the right direction. If they can keep some stability at the top, that will only make life easier for the balls.
0: That is something that we, people, myself, sometimes you don't think about, but leadership from the top, and you could argue that has been a big part, as you mentioned, how many people they've gone through. You think about uh, a few years ago, just the absolute dumpster fire that the hiring process was. Oh my God. Danny White. (laughs) may not be a name known to casual people but he's probably the real star of this you think about it. he also he also hired lance Leipel at buffalo uh and then hired heipel at central florida he's got a great eye for talent and bringing in and i think when hypo was hired it wasn't was it was kind of like all right this is a tough job right now there's a lot going on but obviously he saw a lot in him when he brought him to central florida uh, and now he's brought him there and he's doing a great job. They're way ahead of schedule for anybody who would think. But I think that, again, leadership matters. And sometimes behind the scenes, the guy who's hiring people and making big decisions is really important. So I think, you know, Tennessee, there's a lot to be excited about coming off that win, but he's one of those names that's obviously playing a big role in that.
3: Yeah, so to the, uh, the fans of the volunteers, unlike some of the other fan bases who maybe need to tone down the expectations, a li- let them have at it. You guys should... Uh- you guys should be competing in the SECs and you've got everything you need to work with right now. Yeah, still so, so a, <laughs>
0: so a lot of work to do. I mean, it's, but it's certainly
3: that it's- Not there yet. They've, that, they've, they've, they've got what they need to get. What there. they've done this year
0: has been impressive, and that's, hey, listen, you want a you wanna building block? They just got a big one. Uh, so we'll see where they go from here. But certainly seems like, to your point, the pieces are there to not regress. Yes. Yeah. All right, Wade, so we've, we've touched on Texas. We've touched on Tennessee. Uh, I think now it's time to broaden our horizons and go, go international, go overseas. <laughs> and, uh, you know, We have the opportunity to talk with uh, two gentlemen from the NFL Academy based out of London. And I think why this is important is because here in the States, football has been king for a long time. We all love it it's, it's, there's passionate fan bases at the NFL, at the college level, at the high school level, Pop Warner, Uh, but the growth of the game is going to come from beyond these borders. And I think we're seeing more and more players that are international coming over. I mean, just in this class alone, the 2023 class, you think about ESPN 300, D.N. Collins, a Chiapong, originally from Ghana, playing over here in the States, over in California, Olas Olanen, committed to Alabama. He's from Europe, he's over here playing in the states. But then you've got places like the NFL Academy. Darren Agu, who is now at Vanderbilt, finished up his high school career in the state of Georgia, but actually got his start at the NFL Academy. I remember being over there three years ago uh, when they were just getting started, and he was a guy who kind of jumped out, came over to the states. They sent a player to Arkansas State, Cedue Triore, who's uh, having an impact as a receiver there at Arkansas State. In the 2023 class, you got Peter Clark. Uh, who's committed to Temple. And they just had a pretty prominent committee, even though at the FCS, uh, at the HBCU-level FCS, with uh, Kofi taylor yeah. uh who committed to primetime, Deion Sanders and Jackson State. So, and, uh, you know, even, like I said, the passion for the game, but we've seen it at other levels as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, selfishly, up here in the Northeast, as a New England Patriot fan, uh, we had the pleasure of watching Sebastian Vollmer and then fullback Jakob Johnson, who were both... Uh, European products. And then also, just with our camp circuit, we're constantly trying to, uh, you know, we're talking specifically about Europe in a lot of cases with the NFL Academy, but also uh, bridge the gap and get some Canadian prospects down to our events too. Uh, another area where we're seeing, uh, you know, more and more talented prospects explode on the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, that is the, gro- the growth of the game is going to come from outside the borders. So that's what's exciting about this. And listen, college programs want great players. It could be difficult to recruit, over in Europe or to recruit overseas so to have one place potentially uh, that can maybe find and develop players and, and consolidate kind of, a lot of the yeah there, be yeah. a source for college coaches to go to that is the NFL Academy we've already seen some glimpses and I think the future is really bright so excited to dig deep deeper into what what the NFL Academy about and what the future will bring I never felt like Borders or Big Bodies of Water could contain this podcast and uh, proof of that is that I'm joined by two two gentlemen who play a pivotal role in the NFL Academy over in London and, and uh, I think it's one of these, if it's something you're not familiar with yet, you will be uh, because as the game continues to push to grow international and uh continue to find new fans and schools are always looking for prospects i think this is going to be ground zero uh for producing players from outside of the states as the game continues to grow and being joined today by the nfl uk head of football development will bryce and the head of football for the nfl academy chris Dorham. uh thanks for joining us gentlemen
2: yeah much appreciated thanks for having us
0: yeah pleasure craig yeah you know chris it's interesting uh in uh, another sign of how old I'm getting, I went back and looked in our database, and the first class I was ever a part of for ESPN Recruiting was the 2006 class, which was uh, your class, correct?
2: That's correct. And yeah, I went
0: back and looked up. We had you at a, at a mid-three star. So I owe you an apology after a career at Georgia and a couple of years in the NFL. Uh, we undershot you a little bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, you know what? That's it's all good. It's all good. You know, I never paid much attention, but, uh, you know, it's a pride thing. You get three stars, that means you're at least going somewhere.
0: There you go. There you go. So, but yeah, so it's interesting how it's all kind of come full circle. And, and um, you know, from your perspective, I believe you had spent some time after your NFL career was over in Europe playing in Italy. And uh, was that kind of the catalyst for kind of you finding your way to the uh, NFL Academy?
2: Oh, yeah, 100 um, percent you know, I still had that drive to compete. So after my NFL career ended, you know, that fire was still kind of burning and I got the opportunity to go to Italy, um, fell in love with just the international space and how football has taken me from my home country to a different place where they speak a different language, different culture and how uh, I was able to be brought in based off the of sport and it just, you know, I found a passion that I didn't know I was searching for. And that led me to, uh, you know, a few different connections. And finally, uh, I was introduced to Mr. Will Bryce here and uh, best forward a few years. And here we are. And
0: hey, Will, how has that transition gone? I Since I've had the, uh, I've been lucky to know you for a few years, I actually first met you at a camp in Germany about four years now, five years ago. And uh, since then you've opened the NFL Academy, but you know, how has it been to kind of bring somebody in like Chris that, you know, came over from the States, had success, played in the NFL and now part of that program?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think it's been critical to our success and to our growth. Chris has made a huge impact in a short amount of time. He can relate, he's he's, you know, he's walked the steps that these kids want to wanna take, and then he's given back and he can relate to them. And he's seen it from the US perspective, he's seen it from the European football perspective. So he gets it, which is very unique. And then the biggest thing that and and the people that surround this program they care and they're trying to put these kids first because it's hard to get from overseas no matter who you are and where you're from it's hard if if you're not getting the same exposure opportunities to get noticed by yourselves UC and you um, see report and 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 schools uh, to get earn that scholarship to play football at a higher level so you know, biggest thing, biggest value that Chris has added outside of his experience is just his, um, his, his care and his time that he's given these kids. And, you know,
0: rewinding just a little bit. So we're just coming off now about a week or so ago, the NFL had a big game over in London. Um, and so, and that's now become a regular part of their schedule, but, you know, for you, Will, from kind of the ground up, you know, how have you kind of seen the passion for uh, for the game of American football kind of grow there and kind of what was kind of the, the genesis for starting this academy?
4: Uh, yeah, it's a big question. It's a good question. Um, you know, we had, if you rewind to the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, you had NFL Europe, which was huge for us. It really gave you, you made football a bit more tangible, something you could, you know, touch. It was more real. You had Scottish Claymores, London Monarchs, um, you know, teams you can go and see. And then when NFL Europe stopped it, in my opinion, football f- fell a little stagnant and maybe even took a couple steps back. And um, you know, the gen- genesis for the academy really it was combination of a few people, um, OCU and who's, you know, ex-NFL uh, legend, two, two-time Super Bowl winner from the New York Giants. Um, Adam Daddy, who's now the defensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys, the only, you know, full-time non-US um, coach in the NFL. And he's doing a great job with the Cowboys this season in that D-line. Um, you know, those, those two, and then our, uh, the ex-managing director, Alistair Kirkwood of the NFL UK office, really using the experiences they've all had um, and starting um, a program called the International Player Pathway Program, where we take players from around the world and put them directly into the league and showing that we could do it at the highest level. And you had players like F.A. Obada, who's from England, you know, he's starting on Sundays, played for Carolina Buffalo. He's now with Washington on that D-line, had a sack at the weekend. Um, And others from around the world, like Jordan Mylata, the tackle and the Eagles and just showing at the highest level international players can play. And because of their success, we've been able to launch this academy, which is really a longer term initiative for the NFL. You know, long term, we need to teach these, these kids the game earlier. They need more time to play. They need to get into the into that college system to develop. and what at the moment is a, is a couple of players playing in the league from overseas is going to turn into hundreds you know we we have we have high goals for ourselves um for all of our programs and the academy certainly is going to be hopefully the flagship for us long term to see more international players entering the NFL
0: yeah i think
4: it'll be a neat day when that first nfl academy
0: player is drafted and you see that process go from you know, starting off with you guys through uh, American College Program and into and, and the NFL. Uh, if I believe you guys started in September of 2019. And obviously, COVID it impacted everything and probably slowed down progress a little bit. But you guys are certainly moving in that direction. Um, Darren Agu, who came over and finished his high school career in the States, started out at the NFL Academy. That's first where I had first saw him in December of 2019. Now, part of, the, you know, starting to get on the field and play for Vandy. Peter Clark committed... I believe the temple, correct? Uh, in the twenty-three class mm-hmm. and Kofi Taylor Barracks, Under Armour All American, uh headed into play for uh, primetime Deion Sanders at, at Jackson State. So we're starting to see those those players. Um, you know, before uh, go back to you, Chris. You know, Will, you, you mentioned when NFL Europe had shut down, there was a bit of a dip with the initiative to bring the NFL back over. And now the NFL Academy, do you feel like It's trending back in a direction where there's starting to more recognition, maybe less explaining of what the game of
4: American football is. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. From my my standpoint, it is. And just if you get on the train and you commute into the city of London, just this morning I saw someone wearing a Baltimore Ravens beanie hat because it's pretty (laughs) cold out here now in the fall. And then I saw a 49ers cap and that's it. On a 6.15 a.m. train into right. central London, I saw two, you know, some merchandise. So nice. know you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and Chris, you know, I read
0: that, you know, when you got over to Italy, uh, you, you had a, one of your games was delayed because you had to wait for a youth soccer game to end. <laughs> Have you, uh, you feel like maybe that's not going to be the case anymore in a few years? You also, you kind of feel like the game
2: is growing a little bit more now. I mean, it's grown massively, just as well as alluding to, you know, you see merchandise, you see jerseys, you see hats, you see the jackets, and whether it's, you know, someone's a fan of that team, color scheme, everything's being pushed uh, throughout Europe, and so, you know, from that experience of being, you know, waiting on the field to to uh, to actually be able to practice and warm up, I mean, that was quite an experience, but yeah, you you've seen just, on top of that, you've seen the development of, athletes and the type of athletes that are picking up the game. Um, we've seen that at an academy level. We've sure seen it from a uh, IPP level as well.
0: For either of you guys, have you felt like, Will, are you having to do less searching and more kind of um, going through applicants or, or is it still pretty much you guys on a, you know, uh, going
4: out there and trying to recruit players? Um, that's a good question. I think it's certainly easier than it was. So I, I've been employed now for seven years since we started these initiatives. Um, there's been a there's certainly been a step change in that in you know a lot more, whether it's academy age high school kids coming approaching us supplying, um, or whether it's for the the older adult program to go directly into the league the IPP. It's yeah you get a lot you get a lot more outreach. Um, but then what you also see and what we've done a better job at the league office is also monitoring what's happening in international football. You know, we work closely with IFAF now, who's the international federation for American football, most the international governing body. And we also work closely to understand how many kids are coming into college football as well. I think I got a, this might be outdated now, earlier this year, received the numbers 317 international players in division one college football, ah. which is the highest that we've seen, you know, over the, over a number of years now. And so you have this, this demand stateside, I think for talent, cause everyone's recruit, you know, yeah. you're running out of players almost. Yeah. And you've got this increase overseas of kids playing the game seeing pathways that are now available to them to continue to play the game. And the two are connecting and we're sort of, we're tracking it, we're monitoring it. And now we have this initiative in the NFL Academy that can pull the best talent from overseas in one place. You know, iron sharpens iron and kids can get better together. It's really a developmental approach to get them prepared um, physically, mentally, emotionally, academically. Uh for, for that next step. Uh, hopefully that's why you saw Darren and and even Sadu Traore who I don't know if he's still ranked second, but he was ranked second in receiving yards in the whole college football okay. uh, up until last weekend. He's he's doing a great job at Arkansas State, but kids are going to come in better prepared, not just to get a scholarship, but to come in and compete. Yeah. But also to be that student in the student athlete. So I think you see it all happening around you. It's really exciting um not sure if i'd have seen it coming the way it has but um yeah the net the next few years are going to be really exciting to see the growth and um and what happens both on the field on saturdays in the college sense and then um on sundays as as kids get drafted well it would seem you know obviously you
0: mentioned Will that programs want talent and you know, as big as college football budgets are, there's still limits to getting overseas and, and expanding that net. And, you know, I, I think that it's only going to, I would imagine for both of you that the traffic from colleges is increasing because you're right, you, you guys present an opportunity for a lot of the best players internationally. And I know, Will, I've spoken to you and you've gone over to Africa, the scout as well. And so I would imagine colleges are excited because you guys could very much turn into that, that one-stop shopping of some of the top international players that now they have one place that they can kind of go to really kind of get a feel for some of the top international players.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's where Chris's involvement and full-time work on the academy has been really important because he's, he's able to work with our coaches but also just and also taking on a lot of that communication as well to the schools. Because he can speak, he can speak the same language. You know, the, it, it's we're going to get people. We have to make it as easy as possible for U.S. colleges to be able to recruit our players, and the only way to do that is to is to make it simple for them and convert everything that we do in the English educational system into the American. You know, to, we we don't keep GPAs in England, but we can have our kids' grades converted and be able to. You know, tell them what their GPA is, and whether they've met all their core course requirements, and understand what a highlight tape should look like. And that's something that we worked with yourself and others on. You know, educating these kids on how to do all of those things. Um, and Chris, I don't know if you want to jump in on any of that stuff because you're doing this yeah. on a daily basis with well, Chris, with have schools. you? Yeah, have you have you felt like your phone is ringing
0: more, or are you finding coaches being more receptive to kind of hearing from you because of, you know, the little success that you guys had so far with the small sample size, but certainly kind of moving in, in the right direction is for guys like Trador and Agu. Uh,
2: yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an exciting period. You know, speaking of the guys that you've mentioned as well as Peter and Kofi and Daniel and some of these guys that we have that are paving the way. I mean, it's opening up more than just, you know, just the pathway, they're they're blazing a trail, they're doing a lot of the things that uh, we've, we were hoping for, and it's happening very quickly. Um, I mean, you have division one athletes coming out of Europe, which some people would have never seen. And now as well, they're, they're like, you got 300 plus. Um, so we do want to be a one stop shop where coaches can come in, you know, kind of come in and look at our students. But that also means as we're doing that, that's going to pave the way for other places throughout Europe and throughout the world that uh, will be begin to get recruited to play, as they call it here, American football.
0: And, you know, having played in the SEC, having played in the NFL, I would imagine you're seeing the players that can follow that path that just need development. I mean, I I would imagine you've been impressed and seen the raw tools are, are there everywhere you look.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we just finished the game two days ago and you could see the quality of athlete and the size and sheer strength of our guys. They don't have the same foundation that some people have in the U.S. just because they haven't been around the game as long. But as far as development, as far as moving forward in the game and the ceiling potential, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for a lot of the athletes that we're seeing coming into the academy and the type of guys that we're recruiting uh, to come, come join us.
0: What I want to know, have you guys been able to flip a big-time soccer player over to American football?
4: <laughs> um, big-time soccer player, uh, not so much. I mean, again, if if we're looking at academy age, they're probably still a little bit too young to be big-time soccer players. But And then if they've approached us or their agent has approached us to join our international player pathway program, then... I'd have to say no comment because <laughs> they're probably under contract so we can't gotcha. engage in that kind of stuff. But what I would say is you get we get a lot of interest from other sports. You get a lot of kids from boxing, you know from rugby, obviously, from track and field um, that genuinely have been crying out for some a sport like this for them to try and get access to mm-hmm. because it's just hard. to go and find a team to play for because it's not played in high schools over here or in Europe. So, uh, it it really, it's been something that's been needed for a while. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, whether you're, you're big or you're small, there's something for everybody, which other sports, uh, mainstream sports in Europe don't really cater for. And, you know, what has been
0: the feedback that you have gotten, uh, from coaches Chris in terms of is it you know you know will you had mentioned kind of having to trans translate grades in terms and stuff like that some players being the development are you finding some coaches being like you know what there's still too many hurdles to clear come back to us to in a few years or or you know what's kind of the feedback you've been getting.
2: Well, we're we're already clearing those hurdles. I meet weekly with the NCAA to go through transcripts, to have everything go through the clearinghouse to make sure our guys are eligible. So if they're missing a social science or a math or whatever the case may be, we clear the academics. We make that very easy on the university. So if our players are ready to go to play at a division one level or wherever it else else it may be, JUCO NAIA, doesn't matter. We are doing everything we can to make sure that they're ready to go in there immediately. Um they're immediately eligible. So from there, a lot of the pushback is they're just trying to figure out, okay, they see our guys, they see the size, they're just trying to figure out the competition level. So that's another reason why not only are we playing American competition like we did two days ago, but we're bringing our kids to the US to come to camps like Kofi did with you guys in uh, in Maryland, as well as we did a tour in Texas. We brought In those three camps that we went to, we had, seven different athletes receive a scholarship offer you know that's because they're finally able to see them in person so we're just clearing those hurdles left and right so anything they throw at us we're going to have an answer for and that's what we're creating
0: yeah so and as you mentioned you guys sent several players over to the Under Armour Baltimore camp which Kofi won an MVP and uh, got an invite to the Under Armour America game and several other prospects joining on there and Kofi it made headlines recently for his commitment to Jackson State. I know uh, I had gotten a call from one of their assistants after his performance at at Future Fifty over the summer. Uh, now he's ended up there. Do you guys have any any interaction though with with
2: Primetime with Deion Sanders? No, nah, I haven't no. had any any any, <laughs> any interaction. Um, we I spoke with Kofi before his official visit, before his commitment, um, all that. And again, we're here to support him. You know. Even if we're in the background, our job is to make sure that he's prepared and that he's ready. You know, that's what we're there for. And so as soon as he said that he was ready to commit, we made sure that he knew, okay, this is what you need to do. Now, what are the next steps? Because he has to go through and get a visa. So how do we prepare the school for him being cleared through the NCAA? How do we make sure that he's prepared to enter? Um, Those are things that we do behind the scenes to make sure that he's ready to go and he can be locked and loaded, uh, focused on football and his academics.
0: And then... We, you know, uh, Kofi and Peter uh, also committed to a school, but give us some, um, you know, obviously for recruiting fans, some names in the 24 class, maybe 25 class, some guys you really excited. I know you got a really promising offensive lineman in the 2024 class. Can you give us maybe two or three names that people should, should maybe start to file away and do their research on?
2: Yeah, obviously Daniel's been, um, you know, above and beyond one of our largest recruits with, Power five offers from Arkansas, Washington state, uh, Baylor, et cetera. Um, but Sam Fenton, our quarterback's done a great job. Um, Filippo Petrillo, uh, he's got a D two offer right now. We have another offensive lineman, um, and, uh, my name's going blank now. Uh, but then we have Carter, Carter Proctor on the D line as well. Um, and we're just, you know, those are on top of what we've had with Kofi, with Peter, uh, that are guys that have been getting recruited uh, fairly heavily. Um, and we're going to continue to move forward with, with who, who is Daniel? Uh, I always mispronounce his last name. Uh, Kinkumi. Yeah,
4: Daniel Akinkumi. <laughs> no, Akinkumi.
2: Akinkumi. Right, um, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel is our offensive lineman. Um, he's playing right tackle for us. Uh, he's 6'4", 300 pounds 315 pounds just turned 17 years old um you know he's an incredible athlete and what's even better is that he's a, he's already becoming a pro of the game like after practice he sits in there with the coaches and watches tape he's in the weight room at 6 six thirty 30 every morning like he's doing the things that it takes to be ready for that next level and to take that jump so we're extremely proud of him and his work ethic and the way that he handles the business
0: thanks for handling that chris i I didn't know how to say it either. So I was putting it, I was putting it on you.
4: <laughs> but he's someone, Craig, that he was playing basketball as well, right? That's where he started. So um again, the game of football kind of called out to him or or found him. And he's got a a a versatile skill set, good body control, quick feet from another sport, and then you're applying that to the game of football, which is why I think his transition's been really quick and he's ascended you know and just developing at, at, at quite a rate physically as as well as um as, as chris said from a understanding of the game and the x's and o's
0: and you know for this program this year seemed to be two big milestones one is moving this summer to a new facility uh, which seems to really kind of um lay a better groundwork for your guys goals in terms of size and, and the weight room looked like it was 10 times the size of the weight room that you guys uh were in so talk a little bit about that move to this new facility and what that brings
4: yeah the the move um it was it was a big decision not something that we took lightly um we moved to Loughborough College and have a partnership with with that high school I say Loughborough College it is a high school for for sort of your American. Uh, listeners and it's it's essentially a high school on one side of the street and then you have Loughborough University which is on the other side of the street and in the UK Loughborough University is essentially the home of British sport elite sport hence the facilities that you mentioned the weight room the 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 access to speed coaches track and field you know wrestling coaches um it's just second to none and then we also now have the ability to have these kids stay on campus there's dorms on site you know so they're there in a much more uh, rich environment where they can be completely immersed in in that in that culture and in and in that space so it's been a lot of work to get it done. It's been quite a transition for the kids, right? And their parents, because some of them now are leaving home. You know, they're in high school. That's not easy to do. We have a lot of international students come in as well. Um, so it's, it, it's it's very diverse, which is great. I think it's going to help them prepare again for hopefully the ne- the next step in their, you know, football lives, going to college football. It's a great preparatory ground for them. And um, and puts them in a more, yeah, a, a, a better environment where everything's there for them. Some of the kids, like and Kumi, who we mentioned, in our old school, he was he was on the train for over two hours just to get to school. Yeah. And then on the train, two and a half hours just to get back home every night. So that time now is given back to him to focus on recovery, studying, whatever he wants, to be honest, sleep. Right. <laughs> just to just to take care of his of his body so it's going to be great we're very excited about it and um it's going to be uh you know a a valuable uh piece to our puzzle well what's interesting
0: is as i hear you talk about that and all the benefits that it brings when i'm trying to explain the nfl academy uh to people here in the states it's almost like the blueprint is a little bit like IMG, what IMG is here. And interestingly enough, you guys just recently played, IMG's got a national team plays here within the States, but they also have a really talented varsity program. A lot of those players will wind up on the national team. You guys just played them. Talk about kind of that experience. Uh, I would imagine that's, you know, kind of a big step towards playing a more of a a schedule,
4: maybe a little bit more in line with where you guys want to go. Yeah, I, maybe I'll kick it off and then throw it to Chris, talk about the game more. But from, from my perspective, we, we had a good relationship with IMG because we based our international training there for the IPP program. It's something that we'd spoken about a lot. Very excited and, and very fortunate, very thankful for them and the and the parents of those kids to allow them to come out and play. It took a lot of people to get that done. And we're very overall, very happy with that end product both on the field and uh, you know we streamed the game i think there was a lot of that was well received there was a high quality um stream that was available you know through nfo uk's youtube channel um so no it was really it was excellent and we're able to use a great field that the green bay packers were training on just a couple of days before to prepare for their game against the New York Giants. So, um, no, it was a great trip for IMG. Hopefully it's something, and maybe Chris can follow on here, that we can now build upon now that we've done it once. Mm-hmm. It's like anything, the unknown is the unknown. You do it once, then you can build on something. Chris, did you find it to
0: be a good measuring stick, uh, you know, for yourself and for the kids about where the program is and maybe a good eye-opener for them about, you know, what's still to be achieved?
2: absolutely i mean you know we wanted to show again one of the questions who are we competing against our guys got out there and they were not outmatched they were not outwitted like you know we may have not had the outcome on the scoreboard that we wanted but our guys came out there they showed heart they showed determination they hit adversity and they responded well and those are things that we wanted to know how they would do because you know in europe we've we've won our games pretty fairly easily at times so it was good to have a competitive game against a quality opponent, and just for our guys to measure themselves against. Okay, this is who you're competing against for a scholarship. This is who you're going up against every single day. This is who you're judged against. So, for us to compete against that, it gave us a you know the ability to judge not only ourselves, but where where do we want to go. And so it gave us a great measuring stick. And again, hats off to IMG um, quality program. The guys came in, had a great time. And now it's a blueprint. Now we know exactly what, if a school wants to come play us over here in the UK, we know exactly how to handle that, how to move forward. And hopefully there'll be many more of those to come in the future.
0: Yeah. So all high school coaches that are listening and looking for opportunities uh, certainly seems that they are beginning to kind of grow. I guess I'm going to put you on a spot here a little bit. Was there one or two players came out of that game that you felt showed more or made greater progress than you had anticipated after watching that game?
2: Uh, to be honest, Sam Fenton came out and showed me a lot. Uh, he, he's our quarterback and he spent all summer, he went with us to Texas. Um, but from there, he went on his own and stayed in the U.S. for about a month going to different camps and to see his progress. I mean, he made some incredible throws. Yes, he missed a few here or there and that's what he was focused on after the game when I spoke to him. But he put some on the money, in traffic, that um they may have not, our guys may have not come up with the play, but they were they were big league throws. They were throws that get you to college and stuff like that. So I was really impressed with um how he approached the game and how he he competed throughout.
0: Uh, so Sam Fenton, quarterback. A lot of this information too. We've, we've been able to build a good relationship. Is uh this is the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report and pretty much I think your entire roster is in the UC Report and you guys do a good job. Uh, uh regularly holding combines and, and putting testing numbers on those guys so there's certainly no shortage of information out there uh for coaches college coaches to be able to find and like i said I, i'm i've seen it you know got to know will over the last few years and I, it's kind of neat to see how this grows uh I'm really excited about the future because you know we all love this game a lot i mean uh when you're here in the states it's it's It's, you know, in in many cases, the big dog, and we love that, but if the game's going to grow, it's going to grow outside the United States, and that's where the next group of fans, the next group of players are all going to come from, so, and you guys are going to play a pivotal role in that, I guess, uh, for each of you, before we go, I really appreciate the time, I guess, Chris, you know, what, what is the immediate kind of goals, uh, you know, for this program and for this team?
2: Well, we have a game Sunday, so it's to uh, to recover and get ready to play. I mean, you know, it's, we're trying to give them the best experience possible. So that means playing games against top quality competition. And again, this is our goals are going to stay true to who we are, and that's to give quality experience with a great education and hopefully pave a way pave a path to the NCAA so our guys are completely committed to that vision that they have for themselves that's why we have a full-time coaching staff that's why we have strength staff that's why we have support staff so that our our team can really focus in on their academics and their athletics and so we put that together and now it's just about going out there competing and going and taking what they rightfully believe is their opportunity
0: and and for you, Will, someone who's helped to build this from the ground up. I mean, what's guess what's your big picture goals
4: moving forward? Yeah, I mean, couldn't say it much better than Chris did there, but you know, for me what's what's really what's really inspiring is to see how it's it's not just the kids that are in the academy, it, it's the wider international football community getting behind each other. And supporting each other, right? So whether it's FA or Bada, you know, or Jordan Malata, they want to give back. You know, they're they're mentoring these kids in in college or those that are in the academy now, um, or like a Jack Crawford who just retired from the NFL this last year. You know, he's present, he's available, he wants to help, he wants to give back. Every it means something to people. It's bigger than football is trying to establish this and establish a solid platform and foundation for the next for for generations to come, as you allude to, so that we can grow this. So it's just it's bigger than everybody. It's bigger than one person. It's bigger than the NFL, um, which which gives you a lot of um, strength and, and 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 promise for the future. And then it's you know we're talking about this academy. It's based in England. We have kids from Nigeria from all over Europe and the UK in it, but you know, how can that expand and grow? You see a lot of talent in the South Pacific, Australia, New Zealand. So, you know, looking at other opportunities that might present itself down in that area. um, You know, that that's already getting recruited quite heavily, I think, from some of those West Coast schools. Um, So looking at opportunities to to go into that, those countries a little bit more from a growth perspective and and again long term uh for the league so the future's bright as you said the future's definitely bright um and we're excited we just got to keep getting the right people around this and involved with this to spread that message and and to be a part of it
0: i know for the underarm all american game we have several international players which is really exciting colin's Collins Achupong, uh who's Playing high school over here in the States, Olus Alinen, who was over at a prep school in Connecticut playing in a game. Uh Colin Simmons.
4: Olaus, Olaus actually came to our very first tryout that we did at Tottenham Stadium, him and his dad. And his dad played in NFL Europe. So there's a fun, oh. there's a fun like full cycle for <laughs> you that we were talking about at the start. But Olaus is a great kid. I text him that often, yeah.
0: yeah. And then obviously we mentioned Kofi as well. So again, if you haven't heard of the NFL Academy, you will uh it's it's we're already starting to see some of the returns in college football now currently on the field and in the 23 class and that will only continue to grow uh really excited to see where this goes again because this is the future of the game that we love is is outside of america and the fan base continues to grow and it's obviously important to the nfl with the mere fact that they're playing games every year over in london and and that they're uh supporting you and helping to uh to build the NFL Academy. So really excited to see where it goes. We have, hopefully have a check in a little bit down the road, but I appreciate you both. Will, Will Bryce and Chris Durham for uh, joining us on a recruiting Blitz podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Wait, hopefully you got your passport stamped. <laughs> <We> are... <laughs>
3: hey, I'm waiting for that invite. I'd love to head
0: over there. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, like I said, we've covered a lot here. Uh, looking forward to another great week of high school football again. This Thursday, ESPN2, 7 Central, uh, excuse me, 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Guyer host Allen, a great uh, matchup between two Texas powers. A lot of talent in that game. Looking forward to it. And then uh, followed by that, more high school football throughout the country on Friday and college football on Saturday and NFL on Sunday. And life is good, and we'll be back with more next week. <laughs>